Hello, this is Aiden Rupert. Alongside me is Rob Murray of WCHC Sports 88.1 FM, and you are listening to the WCHC Sports Podcast, where we discuss the latest news and updates from Holy Cross Athletics and the sports world. Rob, it is Tuesday, March 2nd, 2021. We are coming up on our one-year coronaversary, so to speak. How are things going, man? It's good to sit down with you once again and talk some sports. I know we were off last week, got kind of busy with some classes, but a lot of stuff going on in sports. Uh, how are you feeling about all of it? I'm excited, and we're approaching March Madness very quickly, one of my favorite times of the sports year. We got NBA All-Star coming up, which we'll get into later in the show uh, with some draft picks of ours. We got baseball spring training, swinging into full gear. We have Holy Cross baseball around the corner, some late season Patriot League tournaments for our Holy Cross Crusaders. You're right, we have got a lot of work over these next few weeks and it's definitely picking up on the hill, but you know, it's good to be back and sports, or summer sports rather, are slowly returning, which is a good sign. And I mean, fans are returning yeah. as well. We, we heard uh, the Boston Celtics and the Boston Bruins allowing, I believe it was 12% capacity at their stadiums. Um, other venues around the country are doing the same. So um, we're not out of it just yet, but we're slowly approaching normalcy. And that's the best news a sports fan could hear, given all that's happened in the past 12 months. And you better believe I'm keeping an eye on that Celtics schedule for the spring. I think they got a a home game against Steph Curry and the Warriors, April 17th, day before my birthday. So if ever I could be part of that 12.5% filling up the stands at TD Garden, it would be that day. Might start a GoFundMe for the listeners of our podcast, but that is neither here nor there. As, uh, you know, obviously we have a lot to get into. Before we get into any of that, though, Rob, I had a nice conversation with my roommate earlier today who was insisting that WCHC Sports, that we are able to find a sponsor for our, our podcast, which is interesting. Um, a, lot of, a lot of things were thrown out there, whether we want to be sponsored by Cool Beans or perhaps the Lower Kimball Grill, maybe Officer Gracie of PubSafe. If you were to choose anything, Holy Cross affiliated or not, it could be Wendy's for all I care. Who would your corporate sponsor for this podcast be? That's a great question. I, I would normally just say give it to the highest bidder because, you know, the WCHC Sports Podcast could definitely use some extra cash on hand, but I think it would have to be any kind of local Worcester business just to represent the area, get some hometown pride on the podcast, maybe uh, Acoustic Java. I, I can't really think of anything else right now, but I, I guess that would have to be my go-to, although I don't drink a lot of coffee, so... Yeah, I might not be the, the best representative of their brand. Maybe closer to the lines of Wings Over Worcester. Perfect. Such a business. Yeah, we, we, could, do, we could do Wings Over for sure. We'll make things happen. Um, but definitely a tender sentiment from Rob Murray, wanting to support local business here in Worcester while simultaneously raking in some cash of our own. By the way, none of this is ever going to happen. We're not for profit. We're just not monetized. You know, We're just a couple of kids that like talking about sports um, to pass the time between our classes. So... Anywho, getting back on track here with this episode of the WCHC Sports Podcast. Rob, we unfortunately got some tough news earlier today regarding Holy Cross men's basketball, and I want you to walk us through it. Um, you know, you and I exchanged texts earlier today. We were actually slated to call um, our playoff game tomorrow against uh, Loyola, Maryland, which looks like it's not going to happen as of right now. Yeah, some really disappointing news coming out of the Heart Center for the men's team. Uh, we were scheduled to host Loyola, Maryland, uh, the 
Greyhounds on Wednesday night for a Patriot League tournament play-in game at 6 p.m. Uh, unfortunately, we did get a positive COVID-19 test on the team, which led to the suspension of all Holy Cross men's basketball operations. So uh, it's a very sad and abrupt end of the season. Coach Brett Nelson uh, weighed in earlier this week saying, with this unfortunate news, we are disappointed that our season has been cut short. I'm extremely proud of and grateful for our players, staff, and everyone associated with the program. Our team has grown tremendously this season in many ways. The future of Holy Cross basketball is very bright, and we've laid a great foundation moving forward. And in that leaves the Loyola Greyhounds, led by Santi Aldama, a guy we were really eager to watch and kind of break down in our broadcast on Wednesday. He will travel to play the number one seeded Navy midshipmen on Saturday, who are being led by a recently named Patriot League Coach of the Year, Ed DeCellis. I hope I didn't butcher that name. I'm sorry, Ed, if I did. But yeah, difficult news. I know we followed this team throughout the entire year. We were attached to a lot of the players and how they developed. Um, but I think Coach Nelson is right. There's a lot of things to build on this season. You're going to lose guys like Austin Butler and Matt Favre, who were so crucial to the success over these 15 or 16 games, but a really bright kind of future ahead for this team. I think they grew a lot under their coach. Yeah, you know, from my perspective, and obviously this doesn't even touch upon just what a devastating blow this must be for the players and coaching staff uh, within that organization, but I'm a guy that I love to watch basketball, no matter what, and I maintained that throughout all of 2019-2020 when we had that 3-28 and run under the first year of Brett Nelson. Um, you know, a lot of moving parts with that roster, transfers coming in, transfers going out. There was never a point at which I thought, this is just unwatchable. But there were times where I was leaning that direction. This year, on the other hand, this is honestly, I think you said it best, Rob, a, a group that I as a fan and as a commentator, I definitely grew attached to. Um, I enjoyed watching their games, whether it was us getting up to the Heart Center for a few contests later on in the season or, you know, back in January on ESPN+. Plus. I definitely really loved watching these guys come into their own. And I mean, the good news for this group is obviously senior leaders Matt Faw and Austin Butler. They've played their last games for Holy Cross. And Butler, by the way, went out with a bang um, in what ended up being his last game. He put up a 30-piece playing at BU to capture Holy Cross's second straight dub. So big props to Austin Butler for the stellar performance. Um, really went out once again with a bang. And Matt Faw had some really solid outings himself late in the season. Um, but yeah, outside of those two, we've got everyone coming back between Gates. He obviously missed a couple of those late victories in the season for Holy Cross with an undisclosed injury. Ryan Wade, he sort of came along late as well. And then you talk about some of the freshmen. Um, RJ Johnson, obviously, you're gonna touch upon in a minute. Um, he put forth a really great rookie year. Um, Bo Montgomery and Dejon Humphrey. And let's not forget Judson Martindale, who also came up big time against BU the other day. Actually, a couple outings against BU, I wanna say. Um, he always seemed to me to be sort of a barometer of the team's success. When Martindale was cooking, a lot of things were really clicking for that team. But it, it was definitely a fun team to watch across the board. I'm just glad that you and I have one more year to do so. And obviously our hearts go out to the seniors and really the whole team. Um, it's, it's a horrible way to have things end so abruptly. But tell me about uh, what we can take away from this season. I know, I know that there was some hardware uh, awarded by the Patriot League in the past 24 hours or so. So what do you got for us? Yeah, so and actually before I get into the end of, end of your winners, 
I gotta echo your point on how difficult this must have been for the team. Kind of the second straight year that things just ended so quickly. Um, and I'm sure it wasn't any easier for Butler and Fogg, who have given so much time and effort to this program. You know, having a, a Patriot League tournament per, or appearance rather being taken away from them. But speaking of Butler, he's gonna round out the first of three end-of-year award winners for the Holy Cross Crusaders. Austin Butler elected to the second team All-Patriot League squad, averaging over 16 points a game, eight and a half rebounds, and just over an assist per game among the leaders in the conference in rebounds, points, steals, and usage. And speaking of usage, Aiden, he was eighth all-time on Holy Cross's minutes list at the end of his career, playing just about 32 per game, so certainly a workhorse under coach Brett Nelson. And I wanted to ask you, because I think you've had a lot more experience around Holy Cross basketball than I have over the past three years, and you've gotten to kind of break down each player individually, engage how they've developed over their careers. What did you see out of Austin Butler? I know the Austin Butler you saw this season, as talented as he was, was not the same Austin Butler you saw in his junior and sophomore years. How did he grow? How did he become this team's leader? How did he round out his game as a whole? Well, first, let me just say, and this sounds hyperbolic, but I remember back as a senior in high school, even before I had even committed to Holy Cross, I stopped by a Holy Cross men's basketball game or two. Butler's obviously a year older than we are, Rob. And that said, he got minutes from day one under Bill Carmody, who was coaching at the time. Um, he showed himself as one of the strongest freshmen in the conference and a player that deserved a lot of trust right from the get-go, and that's why he ranks way up there in terms of all-time minutes played. And I'm not going to say Austin Butler is the reason that I came to Holy Cross, because that would be hyperbolic, certainly. But I remember he was just fun to watch, just on account of how hard he played. Um, definitely just a very, very, oh, he's a super smart player. His basketball IQ is definitely among the strongest in the Patriot League. Um, you know, he was a player that I think it's easy to say he could do a little bit of everything, but I think it's very fair to say that he could do a little bit of everything, whether it was disrupting passing lanes. I know he's ultimately also going to rank um, among the all-time leaders. I want to say top 10 in three-pointers made for Holy Cross. Um, obviously, that has to do with his sweet shooting ability as well as just the direction the game is headed. Um, but he was always just a privilege to watch, for lack of a better term. Um, he's certainly going to be sorely missed here by Holy Cross, as I think he epitomized a lot of what that program was about. But it was a pleasure uh, watching Austin Butler develop. I think, yeah, you said it, Rob, his role definitely shifted in terms of being more of a spot-up complimentary guy to maybe handling um, playmaking duties a little bit more throughout the course of his career. But definitely will be sorely missed, as will Matt Faw, his buddy in the front court, who uh, put together some really he he got so much better just in the past 18 months I want to say I remember I was a little bit iffy start of his junior year 2019 2020 but by the end of that campaign I was finding myself thinking more and more like we got a really good one in Matt Faw um, the defensive prowess that I didn't see from day one with Faw it turns out I was totally off the mark with that one as he can just disrupt you um, around the rim and I know the three-point stroke wasn't there for Fawn this year nearly as much as it had been last year and in years past, but, you know, he was an unbelievable contributor for this team also, and he'll be missed just as much as Butler, in my opinion. Absolutely, and I think uh, Matt Foss certainly made a case for himself on that Patriot League all-defensive team. 
perhaps Defensive Player of the Year, but he did not get recognition for that. Uh, Josh Caldwell, the guard from Army West Point, who I had the privilege of uh, calling in a game against Holy Cross just a few weeks ago, got that honor. Um, he was flying all over the court in yeah. that performance. He's well-deserving. Very good. No disrespect to him whatsoever. Um, but I agree, your, your points on Butler and Fogg, very well put. Austin is clearly one of the smarter players that we've seen take the floor, and I think that kind of intellect showed in how he led the team and was really you know, in the huddle at all times, whether they were up 20 or down 20 and yeah. kind of dictating tempo. He, he was really that glue for the Holy Cross team, and it showed, I think, more than ever when Jarrell Gates, who I'm going to get to now, was was out in the last three or four games. Yeah, tell me about Gates. Obviously, it was strange seeing Holy Cross playing some of their best basketball all year when uh, when Gates, our leading scorer, was not in the lineup. But Gates, yeah, you mentioned he, he brought some home some hardware as well. That's right. And coming from the University of New Orleans, um, Holy Cross men's basketball on Twitter, I think, said it best. There was no better Patriot League transfer than Jarrell Gates this season. Averaged over 16 points a game, seven and a half rebounds, almost two assists per contest, and led the Patriot League in a number of categories, including two-point field goals, uh, had some top five finishes in field goal percentage, offensive rebounds, and usage as well. So a, a really, really a jolt to this Holy Cross offense that lost so many guys and had so much turnover from last year. And with even more turnover with the departure of Fawn Butler, I think it's safe to say the scoring is going to lay squarely on him for the 2021-2022 season. I want to see a three-pointer out of Jarrell Gates before I graduate. I wasn't lucky enough to see one this year, but he's, we talked about this before, and he's got a nice shooting touch from mid-range, and yep. maybe one day he'll find himself beyond the arc with, with nobody around him, and he'll let it fly. We'll see. Yeah, we will see. Obviously, he's also a player sort of along the, the mold of Austin Butler. He just plays hard. He really competes out there on both ends. and. It's what you love to see from an up-and-coming program like Holy Cross. Gates, we should mention, um, his stellar performance this season was enough to land him on the uh, third-team All-Patriot League uh, to Butler's second-team appearance. So Gates was an absolute privilege to watch this season as well. There were some question marks coming into the season uh, before the NCAA issued that blanket eligibility waiver due to the pandemic, just saying that most, if not all, transfers can, can suit up right away. So those were the question marks, and you know, it's, we don't want to think too much about it, but imagine Holy Cross basketball without Jarrell Gates this year. He was such a huge part of their success in those first few wins they picked up. But uh, I also know, uh, in just rounding off the um, the offseason, or postseason, I should say, awards here, I know you're a big R.J. Johnson fan, and he was able to come up with the all-rookie team selection. So what did you see out of R.J. Johnson this year? What really set him apart from those other freshman guards that we have and really led to him putting together such a strong campaign? Yeah, I've got a bit of a soft spot for point guards because I did play point guard in my time in youth basketball. Hard to believe. Wow. Given my size, but hey, you know. Big guards. Magic Johnson, huh? Point forward here. but um, Rob's like 6'4". Yeah, R.J. Johnson... I see him as the prototypical solid college point guard. You can kind of put a picture in your head, you know, good with the handles, gets the ball to his teammates, reliable at the free throw line. And R.J. Johnson was all three of those things. He led the Patriot League with 69 total assists in terms of a assist per game. Average, he was just behind Jordan Burns, who ended up being named the Patriot League Player of the yeah. Year. So uh, he's, he's no player to sniff at. And Johnson shot about 90% from the free throw free throw line, excuse me, as well. And 
it's clear, Aiden, that Coach Brett Nelson had so much trust in him, making him the guy to facilitate that offense, giving him over 30 minutes per game as a freshman. And Johnson, along with Ryan Wade and Jarrell Gates, no doubt will anchor this program over the next year and really work hard to make sure this group takes the next step moving forward. Yeah, I agree with that assessment 100%. Um, I'm definitely big on RJ Johnson also, and this might sound crazy, I can honestly see him, as mentioned, he's very solid, but I think that he also has a next gear or a next level he can get to. I can see him being a player among the nation's leaders in assists per game. Um, I think that he has that much control as a player, or maybe not, maybe if he's not among the nation's leaders, I think that he's still going to, you know, be everything you want in a floor general. His assist to turnover ratio, I think, is going to only improve as he progresses in his career. Um, I'm, I'm definitely a big fan of R.J. Johnson as well as um, the fellow freshman that appeared this season for Holy Cross. So, you know, you said it. Um, just in terms of wrapping up the season, um, we, we sort of came into this one knowing uh, fully well that anything was going to be an improvement over 3-28, and 28, which is what we saw a year ago. But five wins in almost 20 fewer games as compared to 2019-2020. So definitely... You know, five wins doesn't jump off the page, but solid improvement for Holy Cross basketball overall. Yeah, and listen, if this group had the proper time and means to really gel and practice together and go through preseason, you know, workouts and film study, uh, I think we could have seen a whole lot more. And, uh, you know, granted, that is a casualty that every team got to experience this season, so Holy Cross isn't the exception, but when it comes to playing with all these guys who are new to the program, many of whom are very young. Uh, that time matters, and they lost out on that, but I think they recovered very well um, and, and did an excellent job, both on and off the court. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be all eyes on the Patriot League tournament regardless. Um, I, of course, was also very excited for that Loyola matchup between the 8 and 9 seeds, but mm -hmm. that said, I mean, you mentioned several minutes ago, this dude Aldama is a beast. He made first team all Patriot League as just a sophomore. Um, who we were talking about last night, Rob, he missed almost half his freshman season. And a calendar year later, all of a sudden he's first team all Patriot League, tying the Patriot League record for rebounds in a game with 22. This dude is next level. Um, I also saw a note on his father, I want to say it was, uh, actually represented the Spanish national team. Maybe it was his uncle, but I think his father. Uh, 1992 Olympics in Barcelona. So that was the dream team year. So this dude, I'm sure his uh, his family has told him some stories about the Barcelona experience and being around the dream team and all that was. Yeah, when you grow up in a household that you know, had your father play against Michael Jordan and Magic and Scottie Pippen and Charles Barkley, sheesh, there's a lot of pressure on you to be a great basketball player. And, and Santi Aldama has done nothing short, has done you know nothing short of that. Um, in 24 games, he's just played 24 games. Wow. He only played 10 games last season and still got a Patriot All-Freshman selection. Yeah. Um, and I'd be remiss if I didn't include his 30-point, uh, 22-rebound performance. Yeah, 30 points season. in that oh, 30 my. points as well. That's so, Will Chamberlain right there. Yeah, he's he's an absolute freak in the best sense, of course. Um, he can shoot the three, too, is the one thing about him that I didn't know he had in his bag, but he can he can knock it down. And, you know, for Holy Cross's sake, I hope this is his last year in the Patriot League because yeah. if he sticks around for another two years... I mean, uh, we'll take a transfer. Yeah, absolutely. It's the, the winters are a bit harsh up here, but, you know, we 
you got great spring concerts. Spring weekend is a blast. So, Santi, if you're if you're listening to us, you have a home here on the hill. Um, yeah, two more years, I think he will for sure have a uh, Patriot League Player of the Year under his belt. Yeah, now that Jordan Burns is gone, he was sensational as always this year as well. So I'll ask you real quick, who's your pick to make an appearance in the NCAAs after all this? Do you got Colgate? Um, you know, I wish I got to see more of Navy this year just because I think they went 15-2. and two. They got a great coach. They really hit their stride this season. They kind of came out of nowhere in terms of the preseason rankings. But, um, yeah, I think Colgate's just the most battle-tested. They have guys who've been there before. Um, they're certainly going to be hungry after the, the end of last season and their loss to Boston University. They had three selections to uh, all Patriot League teams. They had Jordan Burns, of course, leading the way on the first team. Nellie Cummings, his backcourt partner on the second team. And then Tucker Richardson, you know, another guard for them, rounding out things on the third team. Uh, no selections on the all-defensive team, but they also got Jeff Woodward uh, on the all-rookie team, who was really made some great contributions in the game in the week called. He was he was good, fantastic, yeah. And he has a lot of trust from their head coach too, because he got a good share of the minutes as well. Yeah, but I, I got to go with Colgate. I got Colgate also. I, I think that they're a deep team. Um, obviously, the Navy. I hope we do end up getting Navy Colgate. I think that would be a win for most Patriot League fans. But in terms of what I want to see, I kind of want to see Jordan Burns in the round of 64 against maybe a blue blood school um, or whatever the case ends up being, one of those top college programs. I think that's an environment he's definitely going to thrive in, and I would certainly want to see as a basketball fan. So. That wraps things up for uh, for men's basketball. We will, however, give a shout out to the women's team as they, as of right now, they are still slated to uh, make a Patriot League tournament appearance. Uh, that one's going to come to you on Sunday. We unfortunately won't be broadcasting that game as it is a road matchup. Um, we're going to be traveling to number four Lehigh for a four-five matchup um, with Lehigh. That one 2 p.m. on this coming Sunday. Um, yeah, we actually lost both games against Lehigh earlier on this season, Rob. Both were in somewhat convincing fashion, so Lehigh obviously a uh, force to be reckoned with. Um, but, you know, it's it's going to be fun, I think. Uh, Holy Cross women's basketball, um, they were the team last year that unfortunately had their season cut short so abruptly. And there was, of course, a lot of turnover between last year's roster and this year's roster. But you, you retain some players that probably remember what it felt like to just have your season ripped away from you like that and assuming all goes well and that game indeed tips off 2 p.m. on Sunday I can't wait to see what Holy Cross women's basketball has in store for us um, and then in terms of uh, postseason awards we're still waiting on uh, what those awards are going to look like for women's basketball I imagine they're probably coming any day now I would say definitely keep an eye Rob um, on all freshman teams for Patriot League women's basketball. Um, I think both Brona Power Cassidy and Kara McCormick would be excellent selections for that team. I would be shocked if neither of them were to make that team. I think they're both very strong candidates. Um, you know, I think LaBarber is probably a shoe-in for um, one of the all-league teams. I know she was projected to go first team. We'll see if that ends up being the case. Um, anyone else you want to throw in there from that roster in terms of postseason awards? I know... Um, Janelle Allen, she had limited action as a freshman, but she was super strong in the minutes that she was out there on the court. 
Um, I think Azema is a prospective all-defense player. I'm not sure. I was going to say, if there was an all-enforcer team, I, I think Aluchi Azema would be right at the top of that list. We did call one game for the women's team. I can't remember who it ended up being against. That was probably... we Half the games we called this year were against BU, so when in doubt, we'll just say either BU. either BU or Colgate. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she was fantastic in that game. She just a force in the paint. And yeah, Power Cassie, McCormick, to me, locks for all-rookie, and... Uh, Avery LaBarbera was sensational in the game that we saw, and I'd be shocked if she wasn't recognized uh, for her performance. And uh, I don't know if you mentioned, we have one graduating player this season, Shannon Murphy, Mm -hmm. Um, but outside of her, a lot of returning talent for the Holy Cross Crusaders. Oh, yeah. uh, You know, Coach Maureen McGarity, her first year going 500, getting all these girls returning, I I think... Like the men's team, the future looks bright for this group. Yeah, I'm telling you, this team's going to be good next year. Um, watch out for them. Um, shout out, of course, to Shannon Murphy. Got the start on senior day about a week ago or so. Um, so, yeah, a, a, a good group coming back next season and really a pretty solid season overall for the women's team. Uh, once again, that matchup will be coming to you on ESPN Plus, 2 p.m. Sunday. So before you tune into the NBA All-Star Game, that night. Make sure you check out some Patriot League women's hoop on ESPN+. Plus. Um, it's like five bucks a month. Quick plug for ESPN+. Plus. Shameless plug, as our friends on the podcast would say. Um, but let's move on now. Um, talk, tell me a little bit about women's hockey. I know their season um, came to an unfortunate end. I want to say Thursday night was their matchup. Um, what did their season look like? I know we sort of ran into some adversity there, but hopefully something to build upon, I hope. Yeah, like the men's hockey team, it was kind of an up-and-down season, you know, both on and off the ice in terms of just scheduling and, you know, getting on the on the ice to play. The women's hockey team, their season did end on Thursday. After traveling to UNH, they suffered a 3-0 loss and finished with an overall record of 4-15-1 overtime loss. Um, the freshman tandem, tandem of Bryn Sorella from Denver, Colorado, and Millie Serum from Oslo, Norway, each contributing six goals and six assists to lead the team in points. Um, junior goaltender Jada Brennan is also worth mentioning, starting all but one game for the Lady Crusaders, finishing with a 90.1 save percentage. And, you know, I think this was a difficult year for the team in terms of actually getting to play, running through a, you know, continue continuous schedule with no breaks um, and just getting more and more reps more development for the younger players I think it's a good building point for coach Katie LaChapelle she'll be in her third year uh, going into next season and I've said it before Holy Cross Hockey whether it's the men's team or the women's team I think may be one of the most electric atmospheres and experiences that a Holy Cross student can witness as a sports fan I don't know what it is about the heart center, the way it's laid out, but uh, we have we have a pretty easy time packing it uh, in non-COVID times, of course, and it gets pretty loud when, when things are competitive there, so I'll be looking forward to watching the women's and the men's hockey teams return to the ice next season. No, yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't say I've been to too many hockey games throughout my years at Holy Cross. I think I'm, I maybe caught a uh, an RIT game a year or two ago. Um, I'm obviously from Rochester, so that's that was maybe the draw for me, but Definitely, I would not mind, once we're allowed back in the stands, getting out to some games. I know that um, our friends from WCHC Sports, um, Evan, 
uh, Jack Sandor, uh, JT, Art Gacy. They, they had the privilege of calling some games uh, late in this season, and I think they did so primarily for women's hockey. I'm not sure if they were able to catch a men's game due to postponements and scheduling and such, but I know that they have always had an absolute blast doing so. So I, uh, I definitely can imagine um, just what it's going to be like eventually packing the Hart Center for hockey games and maybe maybe even some basketball games um, within the next year or so. Um, we also will give, though, a shout-out to Holy Cross men's hockey. Um, they actually are... Uh, <laughs> After a season in which they've dealt with quite a few COVID postponements and schedule changes and such, they're actually going to be able to uh, kick off their postseason pursuits. Um, that's going to be a matchup with Sacred Heart University. So we'll be traveling to Fairfield, Connecticut, um, Sunday, March 7th. Uh, it's going to start at 5 p.m. I'm not quite sure who has the TV rights to that game. I'm not sure if it's an ESPN, ESPN Plus broadcast or... Um, or maybe the conference, Atlantic Hockey, maybe they do something, not quite sure. But as soon as we find out, we'll throw that up on our Instagram and hopefully convey that to some of you. Um, Holy Cross Men's Hockey, they went 4-12 and on the season, so a uh, pretty similar record to the women's team in that regard. Um, we're currently on a 10-game losing streak, but I will say we have shown that we can play with Sacred Heart. Um, only one and three against them on the season, but we did beat them six to three on our home ice back on December the 6th. So, hey, anything is possible when you get into these single elimination postseason matchups. Um, yeah, so definitely keep an eye on Holy Cross men's hockey. Um, as soon as we find out exactly who will be broadcasting that game, we'll do our best to communicate that to you. Anything you want to add on uh, men's or women's hockey, Rob? I will say, you know, things may have not gone Holy Cross's way this regular season, but hockey is a sport with a lot of parity. Um, and I, I wouldn't use the phrase any given Sunday, but that, of course, is reserved for football. So, uh, you know, I'll use, uh, well, actually, they are playing on Sunday. So they are playing on Sunday. Any I'll, given Sunday, I'll right? Use it anyway. Exactly. Make an exception, right? Yeah, so, and in terms of the broadcasting, I know ESPN Plus is kind of, brought themselves into the hockey uh, ring for, for broadcasting games, which is a smart move, yeah. I think. So um, we will let you know if you can catch that on any given platform. But yeah, best of luck to them. And uh, let's transition to what some say is the real fastest sport on two feet, men's lacrosse. Who says that? A, a lot of people say it's hockey, but other people say it's lacrosse. But you're not even on two feet in hockey, you're on skates. But you use your feet to skate. Not if, you can't, not if you can't skate like me, then you're on your your butt real yeah, quick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, men's lacrosse figured we'd throw in a, a shout out to our men's lacrosse team. Came up with a victory the other day on Saturday. I don't think we've discussed lacrosse once since we started doing this podcast, Rob. So we've discussed tennis, tennis multiple yeah. times, but I think Ooh. this is a first for lacrosse. We got to get some Holy Cross tennis up in here once their season kicks off. Yeah. We should do like a 40-minute segment on Holy Cross tennis. I think that that's what the people want, so we got to get it to a full breakdown. Absolutely. Um, so back to lacrosse. Holy Cross men's lacrosse coach, um, first-year head coach, I should add, J.L. Reppert. He earned his first victory at the helm for the Crusaders. It was actually a a real comeback win, again, over Sacred Heart. Um, won 11-10 after trailing 3-0 in the first quarter, as well as 10-8 with just under nine minutes to go in regulation. Um, so big-time victory uh, for the lacrosse team. In terms of Reppert, he's actually, from everything I'm hearing, he's a very highly esteemed coach 
in lacrosse circles. He's definitely been around a big time program over the past six years, serving as offensive coordinator at the University of Maryland uh, for the Terrapins. So hopefully, you know, Holy Cross lacrosse, boy, that's hard to say. It didn't even occur to me. Holy Cross lacrosse. Um, yeah, hopefully up and coming program as well. I know they had a decent year last year, hopefully a lot to build upon. Um, Crusaders will travel to Hamilton, New York this coming weekend for a matchup with um, the Colgate Raiders. Also should mention, uh, I, I bring up the coach, obviously. Um, the big time storyline from Saturday for men's lacrosse was junior Peter Murphy. He was actually the one to score the game winning goal for the Crusaders with 2.36 left to play in the fourth quarter. And then obviously our defense was able to take things away from there. Um, shout out also to junior Will Spartanburg. Uh, he chipped in three assists, one of which was to Peter Murphy for that game winner. And so he finished with four points on the afternoon himself. So, you know, anything to add, Rob? I know that was a whole lot of Holy Cross sports really fast. We tried to, you know, sort of cover all of our teams across the board there. Um, unless you want to chip in anything before we move on to some NBA. Yeah, it's a lot to handle for sure. Um, Holy Cross Athletics with a pretty busy couple last weeks there. Um, can't say too much about lacrosse just because I have probably spent the least amount of time around lacrosse as anyone has. You ever picked up a lacrosse stick? Once or twice, but it ended very poorly and, and most likely discouraged me from ever picking it up again. But uh, I think I might have taken one to uh, in a lightsaber fight once, but that's about the extent of my <laughs> lacrosse experience. Yeah, I, I can't say much for myself either, but um, like I said at the beginning of the show, it was just great to see sports return to the hill in some capacity uh, this spring while we obviously get to see a little bit more uh, in football and baseball as the months progress and hopefully we'll be back to you know the full fan experience for sports as we approach the fall and spring terms next year uh, but let's move on to the nba all-star draft day yes got, let's do it we got something special here for the fans um of course if anyone remembers our team usa draft back in say November or October yeah that time period the online semester uh, is well out of my memory and for good reason but same uh, this format is back we'll be selecting uh, our all-star teams probably what five starters maybe two or three reserves let's do it uh, I will be acting as team Kevin Kevin Durant Aiden is team LeBron yes that's because I'm like LeBron absolutely he's got mad hops freak athlete um, so I believe Team LeBron goes first in the draft because he was the highest vote getter. Is that correct? Yeah, that sounds good to me. Uh, also, also should mention, uh, KD, that you're going to be out of commission, even though you're all-star captain. Um, ultimately, Kevin Durant's not going to be playing in the all-star game. Uh, I think he might have had a minor setback. Actually, I don't think it was his Achilles. I think he's dealing with like a, a hamstring or something right now. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's going to be unfortunate not having KD. Um, at All-Star Weekend in Atlanta. That said, the Brooklyn Nets certainly will be well represented, as I'm sure we will get into in our mock draft here. But if you don't mind, Rob, I would love to uh, take things away here. And and just for the sake of our listeners, um, we're, we're trying to get inside the head of the players right now. So for instance, you know, even if I, as LeBron James, would rather take a player like I don't know, Bradley Beal with my first overall pick. Um, or I should say, if, if I personally, Aiden Rupert, if I would rather take Bradley Beal, um, that's sort of null and void here. I'm trying to get inside of the head of LeBron and maybe forecast what his selections this coming Thursday night will be on the televised draft. So 
Without further ado, I, LeBron James, uh, perhaps one of the greatest NBA players of all time, if not the greatest, with my first, first overall pick, I am taking... I'm taking Giannis, first overall pick, back-to-back -back MVP. Um, you know, I, I think that LeBron is a guy, or I should say, I'm a guy that respects um, greatness, and I know a lot of people are down on Giannis right now just because... Frankly, he's not putting up 40 and 20 a game. Um, I'm not sure how much he was going to improve upon last season's campaign, but I got to go with Giannis with the first overall pick. Um, you know, fr from one freak athlete to another, so it's going to be Giannis for me. That's an interesting underlying, you know, story between you and Giannis. I think two guys really embroiled in the MVP race for the last two seasons. There's a lot of heated debates over 2018 and 2019. Uh, over you know who was the most deserving of the award, who meant the most to his team, who made the best analytical argument, but you cannot go wrong with the Greek freak. And I should mention, since I, Kevin Durant, will not be participating uh, in this weekend's All-Star Game, save myself for the playoffs, folks. Watch out for the Brooklyn Nets. Jason Tatum will be replacing me in the Eastern Conference pool of starters, and Domitas Sabonis from the Indiana Pacers will be replacing me on the roster as a whole, a guy who uh, I believe had a very compelling case to make the All-Star team this season, was snubbed, but you know, he gets his respect making his way into the roster. Um, this is a really tough pool of players. Yeah, I didn't realize how hard this was going to be. Yeah. So does it? I'm, I get two selections now. No, I think we're going. I think we're going back and forth. One and one. I think so. Okay. NBA rigged for LeBron. As exactly usual, as usual. I'll make no comment about that. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm gonna go for strictly the storyline selection and reunite with my former teammate on the Golden State Warriors, and that is gonna be Steph Curry. A guy who we talked about last week, or rather two weeks ago, having a very good case for the MVP, and that he is kind of the lone wolf on that Golden State team with Clay Thompson out, uh, with Draymond Green in and out of the lineup. I'm going to go with Steph in the middle of potentially his third MVP season. Interesting. Okay, so Steph is off the board for me then. Um, I like that pick. I, I honestly think that's the direction KD would probably head in with his first overall pick. Um, in terms of who I'm going to take with my second selection, um, you know, it, it's a tough one. I'm going to go with Jokic. Jokic is putting up some MVP-like numbers right now. Um, Nuggets have yet to turn the corner in terms of where they're at with their season. And I know it seems weird seeing as Jokic and LeBron, they just squared off in the Western Conference Finals a year ago. But I think LeBron is probably looking at this like, who do I want to play with? Who are the most fun players on the floor or in this pool that I can pair uh, with myself and with my teammates? And I think that Jokic has to be that player at this point. Mm -hmm. And given how much I think LeBron James has done, or should I say you, Aiden, have done for growing... Let's just drop this. Come yeah. on, you can, you can call me Aiden. I won't okay. take offense to okay. that. Uh, but given how much LeBron has done for growing the game of basketball into kind of a global phenomenon, it's interesting that your first two picks are international players. You have Giannis coming over from Greece. I, I Serbia. Horrible, but Serbia. Yes, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> Nikola Jokic coming from Serbia. Um, clearly going with the, the international influence in your first two selections. I like it. So it looks like you have a big lineup. That's what you're going for. You pick Jokic. I have to raise you Joel Embiid. Sure. Um, 
Uh, I need to match that height in your lineup. Embiid, another MVP candidate we talked about, having his most efficient season, really blossoming as an offensive force over the last you know, 30 to 40 games he's been in. Um, and I think he's deserving as anyone to be an all-star starter. I think this is his first time uh, breaking into that group. So uh, I will pair Stephen Curry and Joel Embiid, try to work some, some pick and pops and pick and fades because as we all know, the process can hit threes. Yeah. So I'd like to see that tandem on the court. Great selection. I'm tempted to keep going with the the international theme here. I know LeBron is a big Luka Doncic fan. Um, he's got nothing but respect for Luka. I'm going to go, though, with Kyrie. I think LeBron, obviously, he's he's reconciled, um, really buried the hatchet with Kyrie Irving over the past several years. And frankly, I, I think I could use uh, a guard in my lineup um, after starting off with some size. I know Luka's obviously... Um, well equipped to play that guard position also, but it's got to be Kyrie for me. We need we need some handles on this squad, so uh, Kyrie Irving's my guy. The earth is also flat, so there's that, but you know. Let's see. This is... I'm torn between bringing uh, my own international talent, Luka Doncic. Although, I guess, could you call it Joel Embiid? Yeah, Cameroon. Cameroon, yep. yeah. I, yep. I, I just, I always go back to his days at Kansas, his limited time at Kansas at least. Um, this is hard. I think I might have to go Luca. Some would argue maybe not the most deserving player uh, for an all-star starter spot. I know there was kind of a, a bit of a fan-created controversy with him and Damian Lillard on who was the true heir to that final spot in the Western Conference pool, but um, it's Luka Doncic's talent and just sense for you know, crafty, resourceful basketball is, is undeniable. He's so good on the court. He Make sure he gets everyone involved. Um, he might be a little bit inefficient at times, but I think that's just because he feels like he needs to be the guy in that team uh, with Chris Stapps being in and out of the lineup and maybe not you know, as, as big as he can be on some nights, but um, I personally love the way Luka plays. Yeah. Um, I'm going to bring back the YMCA example that I used for Jokic. Not the most imposing player physically Luka is, but he's just so crafty with the ball and can do so many things that you would think the more athletic guys in the league could do, but they just don't have, I guess, the wherewithal or the basketball sense to make it happen. And Luke is just unique in that regard. And I'm going to go with him as my, my third pick. Yeah, and hey, I mean, you know, we talk about how uh, the matchup between Jokic and Embiid is definitely what the fans want from an all-star perspective. I think you could say the same for LeBron, Luka. As fun as it would be to see sort of the old king and the young prince alongside one another. The only thing better than that is seeing them up against one, one another, hopefully guarding one another at times. So definitely a riveting matchup for any basketball fan to keep an eye on. And so, let me see. So starters left on the board at this point. And I think maybe we, did we mess up the order here? Cause I, it looks like I've got maybe one more player. Or is that? I think it's just because, you know, you being LeBron James have yeah. the luxury to select yourself. Oh, yeah, and sure. since Kevin Durant is not actually playing, mm -hmm. uh, I don't get him as, as, okay. a, as a roster spot on my team. So sure. I guess we can... We'll figure things out. Maybe, maybe at the end I, I'll get two picks yeah. now or something for so, the reserves. Or so I'll get the first selection for the reserves. Gotcha. All right, so we're doing things obviously very, very casually, non-scientifically here, as you can tell. Uh, three starters left on the board. We've got Kawhi, we've got Brad Beal, and Jason Tatum. I gotta take Kawhi. 
you know, I, I think that um, Jason Tatum making his first All-Star start and then Bradley Beal obviously entering the fold as well. They're both extremely well-deserving, um, but I got to roll with Kawhi, a player that, you know, LeBron's had a lot of matchups with over the years. Unfortunately, we didn't get that Western Conference Finals between the L.A. teams that we wanted. Mm-hmm. Here's hoping for this year, maybe. Um, but yeah, Kawhi's got to round out my starting five. So make it make it LeBron, Giannis, Jokic, Kyrie, and Kawhi my starting five out there for Team LeBron. Certainly an imposing starting five. So I guess that means I'm left with Bradley Beal and Jason Tatum. Yeah, I, I think we, we might have had some error here, but might have screwed it up. But the St. Louis boys, Beal and Tatum. Absolutely. Maybe, I'll, be, I'll be more than happy to take those two. I'd be more than happy to see those two together on the Celtics, but we'll talk about that some other time. Yeah. I'm trying to think of any underlying connections that Kevin Durant has with either of them. Was Bradley Beal in any sense linked to Nets trade rumors earlier in the season, or was it James Harden mostly? I think it was mostly Harden. Um, I, I forget if Bradley Beal... Beal was more of a Lakers kind of connection, right? I forget... Or Clippers maybe, I don't know. I forget if the, maybe the connection would be USA Basketball. If anything, um, I know all three of those players have been involved in some capacity. I want to say Beal and, and Tatum were maybe teammates on that, um, what was it, 2019 World Cup team, something like that. All these guys are involved, though, so y- it's always a matter of guesswork who played with whom. Right. Um, maybe maybe Kevin Durant sees Jason Tatum as a potential postseason foe down the line. I think that would yeah. be an excellent series. Oh, boy, that's a matchup right if there. If those two got to face each other, but... Does this mean now that we return to you for the reserves, or should I? Should I? Keep, I believe. I think I've earned the right to start. Yeah. The selection with the reserves, given how the first round went. I Let's think, hear it. I think you have me beat in terms of the starters, but um, I think Curry and Beat and Doncic is is certainly a, a really strong trio. But yeah, LeBron, Giannis, Jokic, Kyrie, Kawhi. It's 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 hard. It's hard to pick five players in the entire NBA to beat that roster. And if you don't mind, Rob, I, I just want to talk about some of the players, or not talk about them, let's just list who we have coming off our bench for the All-Stars. We're selecting from a pool of Devin Booker, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, Paul George, Zion Williamson, Rudy Gobert, Jalen Brown, James Harden, Zach Levine, Ben Simmons, Julius Randle, DeMontis Sabonis, and Nick Vukovic. So, wow. You're talking about James Harden, Paul George, and Damian Lillard all coming off the bench in an all-star game. That just what does that tell you about the NBA at this point? It's the best the league has to offer, and it's maybe one of the deepest all-star rosters we've seen in a long time, at least from my memory. And you're yeah. you're still leaving guys out, you know, like Trey Young. Oh yeah. You know, I mean I mean Clay Thompson if he was healthy. Yeah. Chris Middleton. A, a yeah. lot of strong, you know, players that probably on the fringe of this all-star conversation but in a in an up year it could certainly you know be playing this weekend if if they were voted absolutely so let's let's hear it I'll, i think maybe once again we sort of missed the mark with our order there in the first round um i'll, I'll kick things over to you to get things started on our bench if we want to yeah. choose three players each uh to who we want to round out our our main eight guy eight man rotation with got it um yeah i think i have to go with is the clear best player out of any of these reserves and was probably the closest thing to a starter and that's going to be James Harden. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his talent has probably been a little bit overshadowed uh, as of late playing alongside KD and Kyrie, but there have been bursts where Harden looks better than ever with the talent surrounding him and 
you know, the Nets kind of have a revolving door of two out of the three stars playing on any given night, it seems. Um, I know a game against the Clippers, uh, Durant was sitting out, but Harden and Kyrie were playing, I believe. And It's like every night. They, yeah. they hardly have all three out there. I know. Yeah, they're, they're rolling right now. we got to wait for the playoffs to actually see all three of them in action. And yeah. maybe playing with two of them is the best for them right now. You know, when Harden joined the Nets early on and all three of them were playing, you could de- you could see there was definitely a lack of chemistry there and it seemed like that Harden train may have, you know, done things to kind of send the chemistry all out of sorts. Um, but I have confidence that they'll pull things together and I have confidence that James Harden is a easily a top ten, maybe even a top five player in the league when he's on more than happy to pick him as my first reserve here. Yeah, I, that's a good point you make about not having all three. Maybe that's the best thing in the wrong, long run. I want to say it was someone like Bruce Brown, who most listeners probably have never heard of, but he had like 28 points, 29 points the other night, yeah. um, just out of nowhere, probably on account of the fact KD wasn't in the lineup, so that opens up some minutes. Um, you know, we've also talked about on the podcast, neither one of us thinks necessarily the Nets are done making moves yet. Trade deadline obviously will sneak up on us after the All-Star break, um, as well as you know the buyout market, etc. It'll be interesting to see where KD, Kyrie, and James Harden end up in terms of their roster construction over the next several weeks. Yeah, they're they're happy with the way things are right now. Though they're nine and one over the last ten. Wow, twenty three and thirteen. They've moved to within half of a game of the first place spot. Jeez. East really closing ground without KD on the Sixers without KD. So when he returns. Fully expect the Brooklyn Nets to be in the conversation for the East number one seed. Yeah. All right, that will bring me into my first reserve selection. And this is one of those instances, I don't think this should be the pick, but I think this certainly very well may be the pick. And I'm going to take Chris Paul. Um, Obviously, that's LeBron's guy. You know, we've known that for a long time now. Two never ended up on the same team together. I know there was some off-season speculation as to whether GM LeBron James could make that happen and maybe pull a trade off for CP from the OKC Thunder. Instead, he ended up with Phoenix, and now they're both their backcourt players. Booker, um, he got one of the injury nods um, for the Western Conference, so CP and Booker headed to Atlanta for the All-Star game, and I think LeBron's going to take his boy, Chris Paul, um, just sort of a a veteran nod of respect to uh, the original point god, CP3. I like that. Chris Paul from the Banana Boat Squad, as you mentioned. Yeah, fortunately, Carmelo Anthony and Dwayne Wade, well past their playing prime, You see Mel- join them. How about Melo last night, though? Last night, sorry, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Ten swishes, I think, is ten where you're going, right? Well, we had Carmelo Anthony versus LaMelo Ball, so it was the battle of the Mellows, so to speak, and uh, the OG Carmelo Anthony, they did a cute little uh, jersey swap after the game, but the OG Carmelo got the last laugh as he he buried the Hornets with some clutch shots, um, ended up with well over 20 points on the evening, I want to say. Mm-hmm. So it, it was just a fun tidbit I thought I'd throw in there. Um, Melo obviously passed his all-star days, but he's not washed just yet either. No, not, not at all, and I think what I was bringing up was he had I think, 10 field goals last night or 10 made field goals. Uh, and all ten were swishes. So, oh wow! I, I think you know. You say what you want about Carmelo Anthony and what he is as kind of like a team player, a winner in the game of basketball. But he's got one of the prettiest mid-range jumpers that I've ever seen, and it, it, it's like butter the way it goes down. Yeah, uh, through the net. But let's continue here. Um, I'm going to take some inspiration from the the one and done 
group of college players, given that Kevin Durant was a one-year player out of the University of Texas, number two overall selection. I'm going to go with another one-and-done guy out of Duke University. He was the number one overall pick. Uh, and, you know, you can call me a hype beast, a bandwagon for doing this, whatever you want to call me, but I'm going to go with Zion Williamson. I do need another guy down low to deal with the Giannis's, the Jokic's, the LeBron James that you have. So um, I'm going to get a big guy in the middle, Zion, averaging over 25 a game in his second season. His first All-Star appearance, you know, he, he had the talent to make the All-Star game in his first year. Obviously, he was not an established player at that point and was a victim of load management, given how you know, hyper-aggressive the Pelicans were with that, but for good reason, because he's tearing it up right now uh, for the Pelicans. The record may not show it. I think they need some more shooters surrounding him, but uh, when it comes down to getting into the paint uh, and scoring, there's, there's nobody better than Zion right now. Yeah. And that was going to be my next pick for sure. LeBron seems to love the young guys. He loves Luka. He loves Zion. Um, maybe he's just trying to, you Pass know... Pass the torch on. Well, not even that. Find I think, a disciple. I think he's trying to butter them up so that if they run into each other in the playoffs, you know, they're sort of like, hey, it's LeBron, and then he just yeah. absolutely sticks the knife in them. Um, but, you know. So he's finding uh, potential future clients for Clutch Sports and his, his I, agent, Rich Paul. I think he's sort of trying to feel out that and maybe who uh, who Bronny James is going to team up with in another four years or so. Yeah. I could definitely see a zion Bronny pairing down the line. He is a GM, even in the All-Star game. He's, Absolutely. He's, an, he's a businessman at heart. Uh, so, Le GM is going to, uh, with the next pick in this one, I'm, I'm a little bit scared of what's going to happen to uh, Damian Lillard if I continue to let him slip on my draft board. I think he might just come out gunning after the All-Star break for about 60 a game if, if I keep snubbing him. But I'm going to go with Ben Simmons, um, another one of LeBron's young princes. Uh, such as Luka Doncic and Zion Williamson. So it's got to be Ben Simmons for me. Um, he's sort of in that point forward mold. And he had maybe the strongest month of his career over the past, or over February or so. Um, he had a game of, I think it was up near 40 points. Maybe he got past that 40-point mark. Um, you know, the three-pointer's obviously not there. But let's stop talking about that. And let's start talking about just what a ridiculous player Ben Simmons is as playmaker, defender, and just a, a point forward who impacts the game like few others. Absolutely. He's, I think, one of the most polarizing players in the NBA, given the discussion surrounding him. I know he gets all kinds of flack for yeah. the lack of an outside jumper, but what he does for that Sixers team in the offense, getting everyone involved, opening up space for Embiid, um, the success is, is hard to ignore. And, you know, Philly's even with the Nets trailing them, of held on to that first place spot in the East for at least one or two months now. And I will say, this is sort of a recent development for Ben Simmons. I was actually sort of very anti-Ben Simmons just a couple of months ago. He was averaging something like 12 points per game for the first three weeks of the season. And I was just wondering what's going on here. You're, uh, obviously, he, he and Embiid, Embiid sort of established himself as the alpha of that team. Um, but your number two guy and former All-Star couldn't be averaging 12 a game. Um, you know, even in such a weird season. So I was all against Ben Simmons, but he's really showing me something right now, and I think definitely worthy of my second uh, selection off my bench. So for this final pick for the reserves, um, I am hopping out of my Kevin Durant costume. This is a strictly Rob pick. 
got to give credit to my guy Zach Levine for the Bulls. Mm. Um, it's, it was a long time coming for him. I think many people agree that he was one of the, the first snubs of the all-star rosters last season. Um, but he's put this Bulls team on his back. They're 15-18 and 18 at the moment. Um, I think the, the rebuild, at least for this season, is a bit ahead of schedule thanks to the way he's played uh, alongside guys like Kobe White and Larry Markkinen. But you know, he's been healthy. He's been pulling it from deep. He's been efficient. Alongside Thad Young, I mean, who's been a very surprising contributor for the Bulls, Oof. they've been hovering around, you know, that seven, eight, even six seed, given how you know there are at least six or seven teams in the East who are within a game of each other. So, you know, if things fall the right way and Zach Levine keeps playing the way he has, that's earned him an All-Star selection. We could be seeing some some postseason Bulls basketball, which uh, is the most I could say about them in a long time. I mean, yeah, Zach Levine's cool and all, but can I just say how badly I want the Celtics to trade for Thaddeus Young? And I never thought I'd be saying that, because who talks about Thad Young? Yeah. Dude, it's ridiculous. I think it was earlier on this season, he had like a, he was one assist shy of a triple-double in a game against the Celtics, and I was just thinking like, wow, this guy could really do wonders for our front court. Um, he's got a lot of game left, and clearly, I mean, maybe I was sort of thinking this is, these are big numbers on... Um, a winless team, sort of empty stats, but the Bulls are certainly more than respectable right now. They're in postseason contention, and yep. I think they gotta like where they're at at this point. Um, but I like the pick for Zach Levine. My last selection for my bench um, in this mock draft that we're doing, we're only going eight, eight deep with the roster, um, just for the sake of time. I gotta go with Paul George. Um, once again, the Damian Lillard thing is sort of still bug making me bug out a little bit. Uh, definitely want to get that man on my roster, but you know, Paul George, I think that his game is just built for an all-star game, whether it's, you know, really just becoming scorching hot from three-point range. Obviously, the dunks are always going to be there for PG as well. Um, he's a player who can put on a show, play a lot of positions. I think there's certainly value in versatility, even in a game like the all-star game. So, PG, you know, he, he's going to round out my roster. Um, we talked about in the past just how Paul George has been really strong this season after you know, a shaky performance, to say the least, last year in the bubble. Um, Paul George is putting together a really strong campaign for the Clippers. Mm -hmm. Pandemic P, no more. He's really helped keep the load off of Kawhi Leonard as it looked, you know, as it was in that postseason a year ago. Um, really strong pick, and as the last player on your roster, he's a top 15 player in the NBA. Yeah, so obviously, uh, we, we do apologize. We had to obviously commit some snubs of our own in Selecting only 16 of the players from the pool here, or I guess I guess 14, however you want to look at it, um, between our rosters collectively. So obviously apologies out there to the Damian Lillards, um, the Jalen Browns, and especially the Nikola Vukovics of the world. That dude is putting up some monster numbers for Orlando, and I know he's, he's never really going to play a flashy style, so probably not exactly a fan favorite when it comes to the All-Star game. Um, but definitely a, a well-deserving selection as well, as are, uh, you know, all the All-Stars. Um, I, I definitely give the league props for making this all come together in terms of All-Star Weekend. I know a lot of players were expressing their doubts and uncertainties as to whether or not the game should be played. I think the league did a decent job, you know, you know, convincing players to buy into this and maybe making some compromises along the way. 
I know it is going to be a grind the second half of the NBA schedule, though. There, there are a lot of games uh, that were rescheduled, so it's going to be pretty travel-heavy. So for anyone like the Chris Middletons out there that were snubbed from this year's rosters, hopefully they can catch up on some of their rest over the past week or next week or so. Um, I will say one last thing in regards to the NBA, and then we will wrap things up for tonight. Uh, the NBA recently, uh, we started having reports come out of uh, our participants for not All-Star Saturday night. They're actually doing festivities during Sunday um, at halftime of the All-Star game. We're, of course, referring to the Skills Challenge, the three-point contest, and the dunk contest. I wanted to give a special shout-out to my man, Cassius Stanley of the Indiana Pacers. Rob, before we hopped on this podcast, I found an incredible stat on Cassius Stanley as an NBA player, and that is that he, as a participant in the slam dunk contest, has yet to record a single dunk in the NBA. What are your thoughts on that? You know, I think it's interesting because with the clips you showed me, Cassius Stanley, clearly an athletic freak. Yeah. And if some of those dunks had gone down, it would have been a viral moment for sure. You would have seen him on those Top Shot cards or whatever that... Are, are making the rounds these last few weeks, but yeah, it is is it it is a bit strange that a guy who's never dunked in his career is like we're sure he can dunk. Oh, right? absolutely, but he's being recruited to an event that is strictly about your dunking skills and prowess. But I think what's even more, you know, shocking is Robert Covington. Oh yeah, I, I was afraid we were going to get to this. And granted, there is an explanation behind it, but. Could have found, you couldn't have found anyone else other than Robert Covington, a guy who's been around three or four teams over the last two seasons. Like yeah. Lovington, Lord Covington, as they call him. So, so here's our story. We're, of course, referring to the NBA All-Star Skills Challenge. Um, so for our listeners, the Skills Challenge lineup consists of, and keep in mind they started incorporating bigs into the mix about four or five years ago, we've got Luka, CP3, Julius Randle, DeMontis Sabonis, Nick Vukovic, and Robert Covington. Now, five of those six players are players that we just discussed in our mock draft as they are all-stars. Robert Covington of the Portland Trailblazers, meanwhile, is going to hop on a flight, travel thousands of miles down to Atlanta, Georgia, for the sake of partaking in maybe a 90-second skills challenge competition on Sunday night. And obviously, we have nothing but respect for the NBA's rationale here. Uh, Covington, of course, was or is an alum of a historically black college or university. Um, so that's sort of the NBA's way. They're highlighting, um, you know, his, his college days and as a way of voicing their support for HBCUs. Um, obviously nothing but respect for the NBA and their stance on that, but I'm with you. Like, Robert Covington, we haven't seen him in one of these competitions before. Frankly, here's hoping we never do again. I guess props to uh, the Glovington for hopping on that plane ride, though, all for just one skills challenge competition. Hey, and who knows, maybe the NBA has, has given the fans an underdog to rally around and Robert Covington, Rocco, another nickname for him, may shock us all and bring home some hardware on Sunday. So Robert Covington, the new unofficial mascot of the WCHC Sports Podcast, uh, alongside Wings Over Worcester, Wendy's, and Lower Kimball. And ESPN Plus. And ESPN Plus, of course. So... That will just about wrap things up for another episode of the WCHC Sports Podcast. We're obviously happy to announce that finally, at long last, we are approved on uh, Apple Podcasts now, in addition to uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, 
all those platforms. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts right now, a special shout out to you. Um, good for you. Keep doing what you're doing. We're very grateful, no matter what platform you're using to listen to us. But um, for Aiden Rupert and Rob Murray of WCHC Sports, we're wishing you a great rest of your week. And make sure to tune in on Friday for the next installment of the podcast as the rest of the WCHC Sports crew will be coming your way with the hottest takes on Holy Cross Athletics and the rest of the sports world. Thank you.